And today we do have Brett Hall with us. The question will be a little later on, is value investing dead? We'll find out what value investing is as well. We're also going to have our weekly market update on the market, on the finances and currencies and commodities. Time to take a look at what's happening in the market. Uh, Are we going to think about whether there's going to be a rate rise, interest rate rise next Tuesday when the board gets the Reserve Bank gets together? I think uh, highly unlikely a rise. Uh, Most likely uh, another reduction is Ah. what's, what's tipped. A drop. Yes, okay. a drop. <laughs> Probably uh, maybe the first of a few more to come. Right. All righty. <laughs> okay, so. Should we go into commodities? To Let us with? see what's happening with commodities. Yeah, so How a, are we going? As uh, a pretty flat market uh, this week in commodities, um, the, the, the mover was gold. It's up 2.5% this week, so it's currently trading at $2,251 an ounce. Um, then moving on to the currencies. Yes. Um, so this week, uh, the Australian dollar against the US, so $1 buys you 67 and a half US dollars. And also uh, in New Zealand, buying you a dollar and seven, and the Canadian dollar buying you only 89 cents. Okay. So moving on to the stock market. Yes. So the market flat across the week. Um, the All Ordinaries are currently 6,814, uh, pretty much the same as it was this time last week. And which is nice to see. It's been bouncing all over the place, so it's good to have the uh, a little bit stability. System stability. <laughs> yes. That's right. But for how long? We'll we'll only we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. That's right. So uh, the S and P five hundred uh, two thousand nine hundred eighty four, and in Hong Kong the Hang Seng, uh, it's down almost two percent on last week, and it's twenty five thousand nine hundred forty five. So moving on to some of the uh, popular stocks. That, yeah, we, uh, that we that we like to follow in yep. this so area. BHP uh, is trading at thirty six dollars fifty three. Uh, Commonwealth Bank CBA eighty one dollars fifty eight. Uh, NIB Health Funds, so its code is NHF, is at seven dollars fifty one. So coming back up a little up a little bit, which is good to see. Yes. And uh, Telstra down two and a half percent to three dollars fifty four. It's still over three dollars fifty. Yeah, mm. just <laughs> just <laughs> yes. And uh, lastly, the fuel prices, yes. which uh, we obtained from the NRMA. So uh, unleaded, a little bit more expensive in Newcastle than Sydney. At the moment, it's a dollar fifty, and in Sydney, a dollar forty-four, and then diesel in Newcastle, a dollar forty-eight. In Sydney, a dollar forty-five. This is Thursday Finance. Brett Hall with us today, and Brett, the uh, update. What is happening? What's the Reserve Bank Governor saying about the Australian economy? Yeah, look, uh, so he recently gave a speech um, in Armadale to the business chamber there and um, he was explaining that uh, he believes or the, the RBA believes that the, uh, the drought is having an impact on the Australian economy and um, the output from, from, the, uh, from the farms is not as high as it would be and has uh, indicated that that is one of the contributors. Um, and there's lots of things, obviously, that are weighing on the economy at the moment. And uh, so I suppose we just don't have the goods to export, do we, from yep, the farms? That's correct. I mean, and also um, because they're producing less, the cost the cost is going up, um, which obviously has an impact on on the economy as well. So yeah, producing less costs up, and absolutely less less export. So um, yeah, so he's he's also said in that in that speech that um, you know he acknowledged that there are some things in the economy uh, which are uh, unexplainable and. And they're uh, in trying to investigate what what those 
um, impacts are, uh, yep. which was quite an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, yeah, it looks like at this stage we're, we're definitely looking at an interest rate reduction coming right. up. So, um, And that, of course, affects not just the farmers who will benefit from that, but yes. um, affects everybody else who's paying interest, I suppose. Yeah, look, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, uh, in, the, in that speech he was also saying that, um, you know, with the reduction in interest rates, with some infrastructure spending, then they anticipate that there will be some growth back in the economy soon. So hopefully it does. We, we definitely need it. He might have um, a, a hotline to the clouds, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the ones that produce rain. And uh, we have um, obviously Roger coming up soon, but um, I, was, I was reading on um, his blog talking about that he was at a, a recent um, function with the um, Governor of the Reserve Bank, and he said the the key questions being asked were when will we see interest rates at zero. So it it wasn't uh, it wasn't talking about where rates headed and when. It's uh, it was all about the, the zero mark. So mm. you know, there's obviously a lot of anticipation about um, you know further reductions to come. Yeah, there certainly is. Now our treasurer is um, having a word or two to say too. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, been. Uh, in uh, in the public at the moment, saying uh, asking for the uh, for the banks or the sorry the regulators not to uh, be too harsh with the um, with implementation of the responsible lending laws and uh, you know he's saying that it, at the moment because um, it definitely has become a lot more difficult to to borrow money and and saying that uh, you know it's 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 punishing the uh, the mum and dad um, home buyers because you know they're, they're not able to to borrow. Um, to get into the housing market, so it's a bit of a fine line. Obviously, not not going back on um, on what the uh, what the fallout was from the Royal Commission in terms of increasing the um, the restrictions on lending, um, but at the same time not tightening up too much so that people can't borrow money because that also has is having an impact on on the housing market and the broader economy and the economy. Yeah, and Metcash now. It's got plenty of customers, but it seems there might be a little bit of a rocky road. Yeah, look, uh, Metcash is um, a uh, Australian company that uh, supplies most of the uh, independent uh, grocers. Um, they also operate um, under the IGA brand, so some of those um, are corporate-owned and others are obviously uh, independently owned, and they supply those. So Metcash have a uh, one of their very large customers has just um, announced that they're going out um, on their own and setting up their own distribution centre. Um, that company is Drake's. Um, so their their first uh, venture out um, is in South Australia. So yeah, so that's a, that'll be a, um, I guess a, a big loss for um, for Metcash, but as well as it, it's not only losing, uh, it's also going to be a competitor to them as well. So that'll be uh, something interesting to watch and see. I mean, it's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but um, yeah. be uh, something to watch over the next couple of years. Mm. And super funds. We're all interested in what's happened with our super funds. And yeah. there's been a little bit of not such good news for some. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this that, that the story is, or is, is really a, a good reminder for us all to that we should regularly uh, look at our superannuation fund statements and make sure that uh, we um, review how it's invested and also uh, where it's invested. So, yes, look, there was a, um, a recent um, study done um, uh, by um, Super Consumers Australia, which is associated with Choice. Now, what they did was they looked at uh, the default funds uh, for employees and so... If you don't make a choice um, of superannuation fund, your employer has a default fund where they will send your superannuation. 
So what that research found was that um, in 2018, more than 170,000 new accounts were created in the bottom 25% of performing funds. Right. So, mm. um, so I guess the, the, the point there is that if you, if you don't make a choice, then um, you know, your employer is required to make your super contributions and they'll make it to a default fund. Uh, you need to um, have a look at that and, and one is look at where it's being invested in that fund or look at possibly an alternate fund. So um, it's just a a good reminder. To NURFM Thursday Finance and Brett Hall today, we have our guest today, Roger Montgomery. Yes, Jane, we're very lucky to have uh, with us today Roger Montgomery from um, Montgomery Investment Management. So Roger's the Chairman and uh, Chief Investment Officer. So um, yeah, so I guess a further quick introduction of of Roger. Um, So he's a a background of, uh, as an analyst and in his strategy, and the company, public company chairman, um, he was uh, he regularly appears on Two GP, ABC, and he's a columnist from for the Australian newspaper. So, Roger, thank you for uh, for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Brett. Great to be with you. Yeah. So, obviously, our topic today is um, is value investing dead. So, I guess before we we talk about that, maybe would you be happy to give us a, an, an explanation of what value investing is? Uh, no problem. Look, um, ultimately, I think there are there are two ways to approach um, the purchasing of any asset. So whether that's in the stock market or a property or a business or a block of land, whatever it is, um, you can you can approach it um, as you would a casino and just bet on something, hoping it goes up. Uh, and there's plenty of people that uh, that do very badly doing that. Uh, and then there's another approach, and, and in terms of the stock market, what you do is you ask yourself, well, well you, 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 you start with the premise that the stock market is a venue through which you can buy pieces of businesses. So rather than betting on the, on the stocks going up or down, which is akin, I think, to betting on black or red at the casino, you're thinking about the underlying business. If you're thinking about the underlying business, you then have to make a decision about what to pay for that business. So it might be fine that it's growing, uh, it's expanding overseas, it's selling more widgets, whatever it is, uh, but what's the right price to pay for that? Now, the job of a value investor is simply to pay a lower price than the value they receive. So um, if you're paying a dollar, you're hoping you're getting something worth $2. And in this environment, that's pretty tough. But that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to buy a dollar, dollar notes or dollar coins for, for 50 cents or, or something less than a dollar. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy to do. But in essence, that's what value investing is. And, and people, you, either the penny drops immediately and you get it or you don't. Um, and and it comes back to that idea that most people think that every asset, or a lot of people will say every asset is worth what someone else will give you for it. So whether it's, a, again, a house or a building or, a, you know, a business, what's it worth? The quest, the, if I ask that question, most, most of the time the, the response that I receive in reply is, uh, is it's what someone else will give you for it, it's what someone will pay for it, or, or something along those lines. Yep. So well, the actual... In actual fact, that's that's not right, though. That's the price. Mm-hmm. It's not the value. Um, price is what people will pay for something, but value is, is it can be very, very different. And, yeah. and you know that when you go to an auction for a house and, and it sells for way over what you thought, 
and you turn around and you say, well, it wasn't worth that. So intrinsically, you understand, most people understand the difference between price and value, and our job as value investors is just to pay a lower price. Yep. So referring back to the, I guess, the stock market, using your example there that, uh, you know, looking to buy something for a dollar that's that has a value of two, how yes. how do you find that? Okay, well, there's, there's various... Um, uh, formulae uh, that you can use to, um, to that you can apply to mm-hmm. finding answering that question. There are a lot of assumptions that go into that formula. So um, things like growth rates, um, return on equity, uh, the discount rate, the rate at which you want to discount the future dollars back. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand that every asset is worth the the, the income that it's going to throw off or the cash that it's going to throw off over its life discounted back to today. That's what it's worth. Now, some days days you turn up and the stock market, you you might decide something's worth, um, I don't know, $20 million uh, or a business is worth $20 million and you turn up, you're the only one at the auction and the seller's willing to give it to you for 10. Well, then you're you're happy to buy it. You turn up to the auction and it's packed to the rafters and there's people you know, lining the streets outside and they're already bidding $200 million for that thing that you thought was worth 20 well, the idea is you zip up your wallet and go home, come back another day. And that's a mm-hmm. great the stock market. It'll be back tomorrow to offer a new price on everything. Thursday Finance and Brett Hall, we're having a very interesting chat with Roger Montgomery. Yes, Roger. So uh, just before the song, we were talking about uh, obviously value investing and investing in particular assets or a particular stock on the stock exchange and looking for value and I guess how you pick out a, a particular stock. Um, so obviously um, for a lot of investors, they, they invest in managed funds and um, or in, um, or, in uh, or direct stocks in a portfolio um, which they may create themselves or, or use an advisor for. So um, there's also been a significant increase in exchange-traded funds which obviously – gives, I guess, another option for, uh, for investors. So uh, what's the, the benefit of, I guess, choosing a, uh, a value investor, uh, or sorry, a managed fund that's, that has a uh, value-based approach as opposed to, say, a fund or an ETF, uh, which, say, would replicate an index or a, or a particular sector um, sure. of the market? So, so there's a couple of interesting um, comments to make around ETFs. And, and for, for those that don't know, an exchange-traded fund or ETF um, basically seeks to track a, uh, typically an index, a stock market index, for example, the ASX 200 mm-hmm. uh, or, the, or the S&P 500 in the United States or maybe the Dow Jones or something like that. So, yeah. so it's very convenient. Uh, they're very popular. Um, and and if you buy the index, you're getting all the stocks in that index. But what you're not thinking about or caring about is the quality of those companies in the index. They're not all good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not thinking about the value, whether it, whether they're cheap or not. Are you just buying the, the ones that are cheap, or are you potentially buying something that's very, very expensive? And currently, the price-to-earnings multiple for the S&P 500, which is the the, the number of times over the earnings of the index that you have to pay to be able to buy one unit uh, is about 30 times. So in other words, if the earnings of the S&P 500 don't grow anymore, and that's unlikely, but if they didn't grow, you'd have to wait 30 years uh, to be paid back for your purchase um, through the earnings of that index. 
Now, historically, if you go all the way back to 1870, there's only been one occasion where the market's been more expensive than it is today, and that was during the 1999 technology boom, uh, which rolled into the early part of 2000 and ultimately um, uh, exploded uh, or imploded uh, around Easter time of 2000. So the first thing to note is if you're buying an index, you could be paying a very expensive price. And in fact, the implied return at the moment, uh, if you buy the S&P 500 index today, Mm -hmm. the implied return over the next 10 years is about 1.7% per annum. So so that's not a very high return. And of course, you're exposing yourself to a lot of volatility. Mm -hmm. Um, And historically... Volatility, uh, you know, you, well, I'd rather say this, that you, the 1.7% is not high enough probably to compensate you for the risk associated with that volatility. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can get 1.7% in a term deposit at the moment. And of course, there's no risk or very, very little risk to your capital. People say, oh, 1.7% is terrible. Well, minus 20% or minus 30% is a lot worse. And that's, that's possible uh, in an index. And the other thing I'll say about, about um, ETFs or exchange traded funds is that the turnover of some of those uh, ETFs or exchange-traded funds, the turnover of the shares in them is much higher than the turnover of the shares in the portfolio they buy. So they're buying an index. So, for example, the biggest in the world is probably the SPY ETF, which is the, the ETF that's that's based on the S&P 500. Yeah. It trades about 30 times a year. So all of its shares tra- turn over 30 complete revolutions uh, in a year, whereas its biggest uh, position is either Apple or Exxon. Uh, sorry, yes, Exxon or Apple. I, I can't remember whether, whether it's Apple or Exxon that's the biggest. Um, but it, they only turn over about once a year. Mm-hmm. So when the market's going up, it doesn't really matter because money's flowing into the exchange-traded fund. People are investing it and of course the manager of that exchange traded fund then goes and feeds that into the stock market gradually and it's fairly safe to do so but if everyone wants to pull out their money all at once for whatever reason you know trump does something really crazy crazier than he's ever done before or (laughs) china does something or korea does something whatever the black swan event might be the unexpected event um, if that happens and people want to pull their money out really quickly from that etf it's going to be very hard to do um, without the the etf moving out of sync with the underlying portfolio. And in fact, we saw that back in October 2015. There was a an exchange-traded fund uh, called the High Yield ETF. It was a high yield ETF. It was, uh, the code was um, EFY, I think it was, or no, HFY rather. Uh, and, um, and it fell about 30% in two days in October 2015, even though the underlying portfolio only fell 5%. So there are risks associated with index investing that, that some people don't understand or don't appreciate. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you do understand it, you, you'd be quite cautious, particularly given the market, as I said right at the beginning, is, is quite expensive at the moment. Yep. So I guess the, the, um, the point we'd like to probably um, come back to in just a moment is that I guess the benefit of, of, of instead of going with a, an ETF where it replicates the index to a value-managed uh, fund, and I guess is that, you know, it's not just replicating the index and, you, and you're being lumped with or, you know, I guess having a share of um, all the stocks that make up that index where a value, you know, I guess, you know, great to hear from you the explanation of uh, that difference and, and I guess what, what the benefits of that potentially could be. Indeed. 
So, Roger, I mean, it's a, it's there's a couple of I think uh, key points which I've picked out from from what you've been talking about today. Is one is that the market um, is expensive at the moment, and um, we're also you know in in quite uncertain um, economic times of of um, you know I guess domestically and internationally. So, uh, I guess. Uh, at the moment, a lot of investors find themselves well. Yes, it's only a uh, a low uh, rate provided in term deposits and in cash, so they are looking for higher returns. So they're looking at the stock market to try and, I guess, um, provide that higher return. So we talked about ETFs, and you know that people can invest through an ETF um, to get the return um, uh, similar to the market, or the same as the as the overall market or the particular index which they're investing in. So um, another option is the to obviously adopt a value-based approach um, and select a, a fund manager that, that uh, invests in that way. So at the moment, um, is that an opportunity or is it a, is it a risk? Because um, I guess for investors, they're, um, you know, you're not just going to get the return of the market. It's going to be, I guess, diff- it will be different. Yes, look, it will be. And and you know what? Value investing has been on the nose, particularly over the last three or four years. It's been mm. um, roundly criticised for not having kept up with the returns of the market. Mm. Um, and and I'm, a, I'm speaking you know, with experience here. I'm a value investor. But I believe all investing is value investing. And whenever the market, over, over any period of time, um, strays too far from the tenets of value investing, uh, then... You know, it, it becomes dangerous. And so over the last few years, what's happened is people, you know, the single best performing strategy in the stock market has been to simply buy the thing that has, or the, the stocks that have gone up the most last year or last month. Mm-hmm. So if you buy those for next month uh, and then run the strategy, hold it for, hold those for a month, then have a look at what's done the best over the previous month, then buy those ones for the next month and keep doing that month to month. That's been the best performing strategy um, <laughs> by a significant margin. But if that doesn't sound like investing to you, you're absolutely right. So all you're doing there is betting on the thing that has, has raced up the most. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the business does. It doesn't matter what it's called. It doesn't matter what exchange it's trading on. None of those things actually matter. Just buy the thing that's gone up the most. And why is that? That's worked because uh, people have migrated out of cash because the returns have been so low on cash. And they've said to their advisors, just buy me anything else. Buy me something else that's going up. Uh, that's what I care about the most. Um, and if uh, if I can, if I can um, make money on anything, uh, then that's better than 1.7% in the bank account. Mm. But what people aren't considering is risk. So they're not thinking about um, how much risk they're taking on for the additional return that they're getting. Yeah. Um, so back to your original question, the value investing has, hasn't been very popular. It hasn't worked very well, um, or people say that. But of course, all they're looking at is price-to-earnings ratios. They're not looking at the quality of the business. And we can buy something that would otherwise seem to be expensive if we believe that it's worth more than where it's trading at. So a lot of people will say, oh, well, if a stock's on a price-to-earnings ratio of 50 times, that's expensive. And if it's on a price-to-earnings ratio of 
10 times or five times, so you're only waiting five years to be paid back, that's cheap. But of course, if that business is going to go broke, if it's going out of business in a couple of years' time, well, paying five times is actually incredibly expensive. You're going to lose all your money. Mm. Um, Whereas paying 50 times for a business that might be 50 times larger in a few years' time, that could actually be very cheap. So... So when when I've read articles and I've seen commentary saying that value investing is dead, they're not really looking at value investing the way that we do. They're looking at some pretty simplistic measures, um, and that suggests that value investing doesn't work. But we all know intuitively that all investing is value investing, that mm-hmm. growth and value are two sides of the same coin. Yep. Uh, your job as an investor is to estimate the growth of a business um, and then discount that growth back to today. That gives you your value, and then you compare that to the price. You turn the stock market on and say, okay, well, I think it's worth $20. Turn the stock market on. It's trading at 16 or 15 I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. But if you turn the stock market on and it's trading at 50 or 100 well, I'll come back tomorrow. Yep. So um, with with value investing, given, the, I guess, the, the current economic climate we we're currently in, um, uh, is it more difficult than it was in the past to find the right stocks that represent value? Yes, it has been because the stocks that have done the best are the ones that make no profit. Um, Mm. So the the companies that are are promising a profit in the distant future, they're the stocks that have performed the best. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's been really, really... I mean, how do you value a business that isn't earning any profit at the moment? And yet, well, well, Uber, for example. Uber in the United States is trading at um, many billions of dollars uh, and it's, um, it, doesn't generate, it doesn't generate a profit. In fact, the larger it gets, the greater the losses are. Tesla's another one. Tesla doesn't generate a profit. And in fact, Porsche and Mercedes and Audi and Volkswagen have all just announced uh, electric cars at the Frankfurt Motor Show that are production ready. Uh, and they're going to release them over the course of the next 12 months. That's going to make life very, very difficult for Tesla mm-hmm. if it's not the only quality manufacturer of electric vehicles. And some argue that it's not even quality. Mm-hmm. So... It's already losing money, and now that there's more competition, it's going to be even harder for it to make money because presumably it's going to have to cut prices of its vehicles in order to keep volume up. So, you know, there's another one. Then there's a a funny business called uh, Peloton uh, in the United States, which is about to list, uh, it's about to IPO or initial, initial, it's called initial public offering, and it wants to value itself at $8 billion, and it sells stationary uh, exercise bikes that are connected via an app to your favourite spin class or exercise class and and that's a fad. It generates about $900 million of revenue but it spent $360 million on marketing to try and get that revenue. Uh, It it loses about $170 or $180 million a year and they want an $8 billion valuation for it. So in this environment, in answer to your question, it is incredibly difficult to find sensible investments that are trading at a sensible valuation. Um, But that doesn't mean value investing is not going to work in the future. It just means that we have to wait for this period of unbridled optimism and youth, you know, you, you... enthusiasm to uh, to end and and in the history throughout history it has ended so do you think that end will be when 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 a company like uber that has been uh, you know such a a popular brand does i, I does it does collapse and then i guess that's the turning point for for a lot well, of value to be swiped off these companies that it could that- be it could very well be in fact we may have already seen that that 
catalyst, and the catalyst was a company called WeWork. Mm. Um, they originally they're a, basically a, a, a real estate leasing company. They they lease real estate from owners of uh, buildings and then cut it all up into small pieces and re-lease it out at higher prices to uh, startup businesses. But of course, mm-hmm. startup businesses don't all have money, so they don't all pay their rent. Yeah. And at one point, the proposed capitalization or the proposed market value for WeWork was $47 billion, which was actually more than the market capitalization of the companies that own the real estate it was leasing, mm-hmm. um, which is which is just insane. Yeah. Uh, and now that what's happened is that, that float has been pulled. They're not going to go ahead with it. There was too much of a, a backlash in the market. The valuation sort of fell from $47 billion to about $10 billion, and the owners decided not to go ahead with the float. Um, yeah. So that could be the catalyst. It, it might be unravelling now. We just don't know. Yep. And at that point, um, you think that um, it will be for value um, for value investors or, or, or okay. managers. Uh, yeah, it, becomes, think- it becomes easier or I guess um, the, the returns from, from value investing um, will be better than, than the market. Well, what tends to happen is you get value. So, mm. you know, we know that we can generate a good return if we can find a high-quality business tra- trading at a, at, a, at a cheap price, mm. you know, cheap compared to our, our valuation. Um, if we can't find those things, then, you know, the question is, is our, is our best investment our 30th, you know, is, is the best alternative our 30th best-looking stock or, or is it, you know, some more in what we've got or is it cash? Yeah. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I think that value investing over long periods of time works very, very well um, and it's just a matter of waiting until those opportunities present themselves. Now, mm-hmm. to say that there's no opportunities today is wrong. We've, we've done very well buying Telstra at, earlier in the year. It started buying it at $2.80 or thereabouts. Um, you know, it's recently, recently been as high as $4. So, so even in a market that is expensive, you yeah. can still find opportunities, but you do have to be patient. And yeah. that's, what a, that's what a professional value investor does. It, 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 you know, we, we, we try and preserve and protect our clients' funds as well as trying to generate a return. Yeah. All right, Roger. Thank you very much. It's been a, a great, um, informative conversation today. That has Good been to fabulous. You. Thank you, Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management. And that is uh, Thursday Finance for today. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.